Act Two, Part One of Civilian Clothes by Thompson Buchanan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Civilian Clothes, Act Two. Scene The Lanham Dining Room, an old fashioned room with a conservatory opening at the back. The room is seen at an angle, the upper right-hand corner being the deepest point. From there, the rear wall, into which the conservatory opens, runs at an angle. The conservatory is entered by glass doors. In the extreme right-hand corner of the rear wall is the service door. The right wall, centre, has a large, handsome fireplace service table of mahogany. The left wall is taken up with double doors entering from the drawing-room and a large old-fashioned mahogany sideboard. In the centre, parallel with the rear wall, an oval mahogany table of old design. The table is laid for a dinner of ten. The furniture of the room is mahogany, and on the walls are portraits of the Lanham ancestors. The whole effect of the room is heavy, old-fashioned, rich. Time. Just before dinner, a month later than events in Act One. Discovered, at the rise, Florence and Mrs. Lanham are inspecting the table. Both are dressed for dinner. McGuinness, wearing black dress coat with brass buttons, striped vest, satin nicks, and silk stockings, enters right, takes tray with wine bottle from serving table right, and crosses left, and places same on sideboard. Yes, Dadson, I think the table looks quite well. McGuinness. In carriage, speech, manner, he has become the model butler. Thank you, madam. I left my lorgnette. Here, madam. Gets it from sideboard. Now bring me the cards and I'll place them. I left them... On the desk in the library, madam. Yes, of course, that's it. McGuinness bows and exits left. I don't know how I ever got along without that man. In one month, Dodson has become the best butler I ever had. But suppose I don't like him. Then, my dear, you had better marry Billy and have your own establishment. Mr. Lanham enters left, goes back of table. How's your table, Betty? Everything will be all right if your daughter will let me alone. Florence, how many times have I told you not to bully your poor weak mother? It was just a simple thing. Simple. She'd like me to discharge Dodson. Discharge Dobson? Whistles, shakes head. Oh, Florence. But I just can't stand the man. Florence, don't let me ever hear you speak that way again. Remember, there is but one man a well-bred woman just can't stand. Mr. Lanham to Florence. Yes, dear. Her husband. Oh, um, uh. McGuinness re-enters. The cards, madam. Hands her cards. She moves over to table to place them. Remember, Bessie, this dinner must be a success. Zack Hart has come down to talk over some very important business. It means a lot to all of us. I don't think that I have ever failed you socially, Archibald. 
no my dear you never have socially how are you going to place them mother oh billy will be next to you places cards sets herself at lower end of table down stage centre my place mr hart on my right then florence nonsense i'll put billy on my left then florence but who is next to hart archibald if you wish to arrange the table not at all dadson place mrs smythe next to mr hart but crosses to mrs lanham down centre new york men like widows they know more or at least can afford to admit it <laughs> hart wants to talk business well he can't talk business too fast for margie she eloped with her first husband when she hadn't known him a week oh very well fix it to suit yourselves stalks out left i'll place elizabeth on your father's left and bess on his right she's utterly insipid that will leave his mind clear for his business dodson put mr rutherford between miss florence and miss henderson and general mcinerney opposite ah that settles now have the fire started properly and look at the candles in the living room starts out left i'll see if the cocktails are just as daddy likes them starts to write i've already fixed the cocktails miss mrs lanham at door left and dodson yes madam the glasses are to be kept full particularly mr hart's exactly and those special hickory logs for the fire selected them myself madam anything else madam no if there is i'm sure you'll think of it exits will you try a cocktail miss no yes miss goes to serving table and brings down a cocktail on tray cocktail miss no mcginnis drinks cocktail thank you miss she turns away from him puts down the glass on tray and returns same to serving table turns back with determination sam i want to talk to you mcginnis stops arranges the logs on the fire rises facing her yes miss his attitude is perfectly respectful perfectly unemotional when she is looking at him but behind it lies the humour of the strong man playing with a child only when she isn't looking he must show his heart-break the love the longing and the passion of a man making a desperate fight for his happiness he must put it over by gesture by attitude by facial expression and do this only when she is not looking sam i can't stand this one minute longer yes miss will you stop that nonsense and be human yes miss don't say miss to me again yes m catches himself guiltily a pause will you do something for me buddling under your mother is doing a good deal for you i mean something else chauffeur or chef sam i want you to give up this place mcginnis with affected horror 
Stop butling. Oh, Flo. I'm not laughing. No. You are positively heartless. Stop butling when I'm learning manners so fast, when meals are so regular and you meet so many nice people. That's the way. No matter what a man's dream may be, he can always depend on his wife to wreck them. You don't mean that permanently you would... Why not? It is an ancient and an honorable profession. I do believe you have the soul of a servant. Turns away from him. I've the job of a butler, miss. I am a married man. I have to look into the future. She crosses angrily to left. So far it has been quite amusing. And, uh, lucrative. In case, miss, you should need a new hat or even a fur coat, it is not above our means. Mr. Rutherford, General McKinnery, and particularly Mr. Arkwright have all been most generous. You mean you've taken tips? Taken them? I've held them up. Beams on her. That decides it. I'm going to divorce you. Yes, miss. I tell him I'll divorce him, and he says, yes, miss. Crosses to left, near the end of her rope. I hope you'll do nothing hasty, miss. Mrs. Lanham is very conservative. A scandal might cost me my place. Flo laughs, almost hysterically. <laughs> you were to test the cocktails, miss. Better let me get you one. If I may suggest, they are always helpful. Very well. McGuinness crosses up side table. Flo below table stands watching him. He brings her a cocktail. She drinks it hastily. Pours. Laughs. You can mix a cocktail. Very sweet of you to say so, miss. Takes glass and puts it down on sideboard. I could have stood everything. Everything but this. Don't you see the position you've gotten me into? Oh, if I'd only had the courage to face the notoriety, the unpleasantness, then... Yes, miss. I was afraid you would then. When you didn't, it was most encouraging. Flo almost in tears. I thought you'd be an utter failure, a joke, and they would get rid of you immediately. Only you forgot my army training. Flo crosses right to him. How could the army train you to be a butler? Whenever he saw the general, my colonel was a perfect butler. And now, to make it worse, you've taken tips from my friends. And you're my husband. Sits. McGuinness hastily to justify himself. But I assure you I'm not holding out. You're in on it. What? Oh! McGuinness produces book. Here's the record. It's all for you. A new friend of mine who's in the barber business explained it to me. All tips go to the old woman. Rises. Give them to me, every cent at once. Puts hand out. McGuinness, suspiciously. I might have known. It... What are you going to do with them? I shall return every penny. And explain they were collected by your husband? Oh, I... Of course you can't. Guess I'd better keep this. You might do something foolish. 
and then we wouldn't have any money to go away on our second honeymoon. Flo aghast. Honeymoon? Yes, quite an idea, don't you think, to have your wife's lovers pay for your honeymoon. I should be able to pick up quite a bit tonight. Flo stamps foot. Don't you dare take another cent from those gentlemen. Oh, I say, have a heart, miss. If they are making love to my wife, I ought to get something out of it. They're not making love to me. Turns away from Sam. Then they're certainly wasting their money. Pause. Flo, weakening. Well, what makes you think they're making love to me? I ought to say, because no man could help it. But the truth is, Tuesday when I came into the room for the third time in ten minutes, Mr. Arkwright slipped a twenty-dollar gold piece. And that's how I knew Mrs. McGuinness. Flo turning around to him. Oh? Well, that's what I said. Oh, thank you, sir. Bowing. I'll get something pretty for my wife. Sort of, you know, give him a show for his money. That's outrageous. Now, Mrs. McGuinness. Flo stamping her foot. Don't call me Mrs. McGuinness. Yes, miss, certainly, miss. Only don't get yourself all ruffled up. It's not becoming. No credit to me for standing back and giving all these fellows a show, if you don't look good, you know. She smiles. There, that's better. Now you look good enough for any husband. To give away. Flo, forcing her sense of humour to her rescue. I'd like to box your ears. McGuinness goes to her. I dare you. You haven't the nerve. I haven't. Flo, on sudden impulse, slaps him soundly. McGuinness grabs her arm. Good. That's the most democratic thing you've done yet. It's the first step. To divorce. No. To love and happiness. And here's your reward. Suddenly seizes her, holds her close to him. I'm just showing you I could. I'm not kissing you, you see. Releases her and laughs. He goes right, she left. Flo, who had already closed her eyes and set her mouth ecstatically, expecting to be kissed against her will with rage and disappointment, crosses back and forth. Flo, coming towards him. I hate you. Dare? Tut, tut, tut. Right below table moves toward her. Careful. The next thing you'll forget you're a lady. And then what would Mr. Rutherford and the General and Mr. Arkwright say? Taking these poor fellows' money and then making you fall in love with your own husband? That settles it. Now I wouldn't go back to you if you were the last man on earth. The last man on earth? <laughs> you wouldn't have a chance. Indeed. Yes, indeed. There'd been millions of women. Tall ones and short ones, fat ones and thin ones, ugly ones and pretty ones, blondes and brunettes, washwomen and ladies, too. And there I'd be standing with my arms folded, observing the awful tragedy. Stands with pose. Go to it, girls. May the best looker win. Oh, no, my dear. You wouldn't have a chance. Crosses right towards door. Flo, left lower end of table, suddenly breaks, sits, 
half sobs. Impulsively, he starts towards her, all sorrow, love, and sympathy. She does not see. That shows what you really think of me. You'd rather have some other woman. She sinks into chair. I didn't say that. Goes to her. He is behind, almost ready to take her in his arms. You did! Now if you're a gentleman, you'll give me cause for divorce. Any gentleman would. McGinnis catches himself shrewdly. Of course, most gentlemen would long ago, but you see, I'm a butler, and butlers are essentially moral. Oh! I don't see what you have to complain of. Your husband is liberal enough. Let's you play with the handsome, perfumed Mr. Rutherford. Perfume! Don't be ridiculous. No gentleman uses perfume. I wouldn't speak to a man who used perfume. And General McKinnery, with his interesting war reminiscences. Tiresome old stories. If I have to listen to another, I'll scream. And Billy Arkwright, the caveman. Mr. Arkwright is a gentleman. Besides, he'd be ridiculous that way. Yes, I think he would. You intend to force me to do something desperate. Desperate? You? Crosses back to her. Laughs. <laughs> Why, you couldn't do anything desperate. You're too afraid of Mrs. Grundy. You were born conventionally. You'll die conventionally. If you are divorced, you'll be divorced conventionally. The only unconventional thing you ever did you're ashamed of even though it brought you the greatest happiness in life. Happiness? McGuinness, bending over her. Yes, happiness. One week of perfect joy. The one thing you can't forget. The one thing you want to remember. You're right. I can't forget it. I wish I could, because... Because you love me. Flo rises. No, because I love another man. She expects a jealous outburst. Instead, McGuinness claps his hands with enthusiasm. Good. Splendid. Claps hands. Then you'll help me to be free? Help you to be free? No. I love you. Just because I love another man? No. Because my plan is working. Don't you see you are losing your snobbishness? The veneer is peeling off. I'm making you over again into what you were. The girl I knew in France. Soon you'll have the courage to obey your impulse, to follow your heart. Flo, in tone of inspiration. I believe you're right. I feel it. I do believe you're right. I know I'm right. And when you've gained the courage to follow your heart, then... Yes? Then I'll elope with the other man. McGuinness struck dumb. Huh. Flo crosses towards door left. At door. Thank you. You've shown me myself. I can never thank you enough. Exit. Nora enters right entrance. Hey. McGuinness starts. Lord Algernon. What is it, Nora? Too proud to answer the front doorbell? Bell? Yes, Bell. B-E-L-L. -L. Have all the guests arrived? 
Yes, I have just let Mr. Rutherford in. He's the last one. She begins placing plates containing caviar on table. Well, I'll serve the cocktails. Exit right. I always knew when we got a butler I'd have twice as much to do. Me own and the butler's. McGuinness enters with cocktails. Nora, as Sam enters. Cocktails. Sure only the rich can afford them nowadays. Oh, I don't know. Sure you don't. You mix em. Sam exits. Upstart! Rutherford enters from conservatory in overcoat and hat, looks around cautiously. Dodson. What is it, sir? I want to see Dodson, Nora. Nora gets plates from tray on side table and places them on table. He is in the drawing room serving the cocktails. You'd better hurry and leave your coat and hat upstairs. Never mind the coat and hat, Nora. I'll leave them out in the conservatory with the daffodils. You can suit yourself, sir, but you'd better hurry. Exit. Rutherford starts up as though to exit through conservatory. McGuinness enters left intermediate entrance and starts across to right exit. Rutherford comes down right to McGuinness. Dodson. Yes, sir. Rutherford closes the door left, comes to McGuinness. Just a second, Dodson. I want to see you privately before I go into the drawing room. Yes, sir. Dodson, you've given me some very good tips. Yes, sir. It's been mutual. The arrangement can continue. Thank you, sir. Pause. Well? Pause. Do you use perfume, sir? No, of course not. That's a pity. Why? Miss Lanham was talking about that very thing just a few minutes ago. Rutherford, amazed. She likes a man to use perfume? Astonishing. From what she said, sir, it would settle things between you definitely. I wonder where I... There's some very nice strong perfume upstairs in the bathroom adjoining the room where your coat is, sir. Thanks. That is a tip worth having. Gives Bill to McGuinness. So is this, sir. Thank you. I'll give this to my wife. Rutherford going to door. Dodson, I'll come back after dinner smelling like a rose. Exits up one centre. The general enters left, comes to McGuinness down centre. Something I can do for you, sir? Pause. Dodson, I don't like using you as... Looks around. All generals use an intelligence department, sir. Pause. Uh, yes. Anything to report? Yes, sir. I heard her speak of you tonight with a great deal of feeling. Indeed. Yes, sir. Particularly your stories. She thinks they're wonderful. If you could tell one at dinner. A long one. Heroic. Dodson, I'll do it. I'm sure it will get results. General hands him a bill. Oh, thank you, sir. I'll give this to my wife. Dodson, I'll tell her a long one. Exits. Billy enters from conservatory with cocktail glass in his hand. Comes to McGuinness. Oh, Dodson. 
McGuinness sees glass in Biller's hand. Did you have your cocktails, sir? Yes, my own, and two that were left by the prohibitionists. Would you have a glass of water, sir? Water? Hell no. Whiskey. McGuinness goes to serving table, upright, comes down with bottle and glass, pouring whiskey. Yes, sir. Was that all right, sir? No, just half. Sam pours a second drink. Pause, glass in hand. This is for courage. Need a lot of courage tonight. Yes, sir. McGuinness takes glass and tray back to serving table. Dodson, I want to see Miss Lanham tonight very particularly. Privately. Yes, sir. Whatever I am, see that I am not disturbed. Yes, sir. Billy crosses to McGuinness. Pause. Dodson, you a married man? Yes, sir. Pause. Dodson, how do you make your wife do something when you want her to? I don't think I understand, sir. Of course, your wife's different class, but... You know, Kipling, great man Kipling, Judy O'Grady, Colonel's lady, all women the same. Oh, I see, sir. Well, I treat my wife rough. Treat her rough? Pause can't treat a lady rough. Did you ever try it, sir? No. Pause. Colonel's lady, Judy O'Grady, Kipling, great man, he ought to know. You say treat them rough? Yes, sir. Billy with wise air as he runs and crosses to door centre. Watch me. I will, sir. Carefully. Oh, treat em rough. Treat em rough. I beg pardon, sir. Is that all? Yes. Pulls out Bill and hands it to McGuinness. Oh, I'll give this to my wife. Billy starts left. Treat em rough. Treat em rough. Crosses left and exits. Walks out with great deal of dignity. Nora enters right intermediate entrance. The dinner's ready, and the cook says things will spoil. All right, Nora. I'll hand them in. Nora exits right intermediate exit. McGuinness opens doors. Through the open door, the furnishings of the drawing room can be seen. As the door opens, the chatter of voices in animated conversation, a slight pause, then the guests come through the doors into the dining-room. McGuinness follows, closes the door. As they come in, all are talking. Those entering are Mrs. Lanham, Zack Hart, Mrs. Margaret Smythe, General McKinnery, Billy Arkwright, Florence Lanham, Mrs. Bessie Henderson, Jack Rutherford, Elizabeth Lanham, and Mr. Lanham. Zack Hart is a man who started from nothing, and at fifty is a big figure in finance. He is above medium height, rather heavy, with a bulldog face, redeemed by keen, shrewd eyes that one minute look through one, and the next twinkle with humour. He has the mental snap of the man used to quick decisions, but the quite deliberate movements of a big man, assured of his position and his ability. His is the snobbishness of ability, 
and his success has been largely due to his ability to know and pick winners among men. That is his hobby. McGuinness is left opposite Flo's place at table, picks up Billy's card, says, Billy Arkwright, then picks up Flo's card, saying, This way, Miss Lanham, goes to table, picks up Mrs. Smythe's card, then along to Miss Elizabeth Lanham, puts Mrs. Smythe's card there, picks up Elizabeth's card, and places it next to Billy's. Mrs. Margaret Smythe is close to thirty, but looks five years younger. She is rather tall, full-blooded, without being fat. That may come later, but now she is at the most attractive period of her life. She is a smart, well-gowned, daring, passionate woman without illusions. She married frankly for money the first time, and now being free, feels the desire and the need of marrying again the right man, and she will do it. Bessie Henderson is just a pretty girl, like a million other pretty girls, of the same birth and upbringing. General, as he enters, And that was the finish of the story. Mrs. Lanham, with conventional laugh. <laughs> Most amusing. <laughs> the others laugh. Mrs. Lanham, hiding a bored yawn. Oh, I, I just adore your stories, General. Don't you, Billy? Well, when I was in France under the General, I heard a great many. I'm sure you enjoyed them all. Billy looks at her, makes a face. The younger officers always enjoy the General's stories. It's the custom in the army. Flo, quickly. You're on Mother's left, Billy? Next to you. Of course, silly. Mrs. Lanham, hastily. Will you take this place on my right, Mr. Hart? He bows. Oh, I'm next to you. To Hart, delighted. You've been next to me from the moment I saw you. Holds out her chair. I hate Frank men. They're always such liars. Hart, bending low and looking at her card. Just for that, you shan't sit by me. Indeed, the hostess generally arranges that. Yes, read it. Elizabeth walks around table looking for her place, indicates card. On the other side, Billy holding out chair for Flo. Excuse me, Miss Lennon, you're on the other side. But I fixed it myself. On the other side, Miss Lennon. This card says... Miss Elizabeth Lanham. You're over here by me, Miss Lanham. Yes. Oh, yes. Isn't that jolly? Starts around table. Flo, low to McGuinness. You dare to mix those cards? Yes, miss. Here you are. And I was afraid I was going to lose you. Holds out chair on his right. Mrs. Lanham, as the women straighten themselves out, to McGuinness. Who makes the cards? Dodson? You placed them, madam. Why, why, of course, how careless. Next time you place them. Yes, madam. You know, you aren't placed at all as I arranged you. Don't worry. This is splendid, Betty. And if it isn't as you want it, why not make it progressive? 
Oh, I say. Yes, yes, yes. Make it progressive. Yes, make it progressive. Precisely. The ladies will move to the left after every course. Looks at McGuinness as she says it. Others, led by Billy. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I have never found my place. Here. Holds out chair for her. They are now seated. Mrs. Lanham at the foot of the table nearest the front. Hart on her right. Then in order, Florence, General McKinnery, Mrs. Smythe, Mr. Lanham, Bell Henderson, Rutherford, Elizabeth Lanham, and Billy. When they are finally seated, there comes that deadly pause that always follows the seating of a party. Cough from Hart, and then from Billy. The zero hour. Immediately all began chattering violently. Have Pleasant you ever day. known yes, such weather indeed. as we are having this I winter? Think Pleasant the day. Soldiers out soon. Oh, well, Pleasant you know, day. Baker, have you ever I'm known such weather well as myself. we're having this winter? Lovely yes, weather. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Of have you ever known such weather as we are having this winter? Oh, well, yes, you know, indeed. Baker. Yes, indeed. I think they should let the soldiers out sooner. Isn't it, though? Yes, it's been oh, such a pleasant well, day. You know, Baker, I'm a Bolshevik myself. Mrs. Smythe, as Sam exits left, to Mrs. Lanham. You know, you have one thing in your house I would like to steal. Just one thing, Margaret? What is it? Your butler. The butler? Why, Margie! Well, if I had him, there's only one thing I'd be afraid of. Some one of my guests would elope with him. Margie, are you serious? The best-looking thing I've seen. Just think of marching into a ballroom with a thing like that. I'll tell you a secret. I foresee a series of dinners just to show Dodson off. This is his debut. Shush! Archibald. McGuinness and Nora begin removing the oyster plates. Hart, who has been talking low to Flo. Oh, yes, your father is in on it. You see, we have the rights to a very valuable railroad in South America. Have to build it, of course. Just waiting to begin work when we can secure the proper man to put it through. Just think of it. Millions. Waiting on the end. Should have thought you'd gotten the man almost first. We had him first. But German efficiency spoiled him. How? Billow wood. And now? We have to find another engineer. McGuinness re-enters, looks at Hart sharply. Hart, without paying particular attention, has been keeping an eye on McGuinness. Civil engineer? Why, there must be lots of them. Yes, thousands. But the man we want can't be just a civil engineer. He must be a leader of men, diplomat, and a two-fisted scrapper besides. One in a thousand. It is a thousand to one against him. I thought this was a progressive dinner. So it is. Rises. Gentlemen, please remain seated. Ladies, change. The ladies arise. McGuinness and Nora are removing the caviar plates and beginning to bring the soup. I'm just going to the other side, you know. There you are, General. 
Now I'm where I want to be. Oh, there you are. You can't lose me. All ladies move to the left, Flo taking the place at the foot of the table between Billy and Hart. As soon as Flo is seated, Billy reaches over with his right hand, takes her left hand under the table. Thought you'd never get here. Silly. McGuinness at right Billy. Please, sir. Flo looks up, catches McGuinness's eye, looks at him defiantly, and does not take her hand from Billy. Billy tries to take the bread with his left hand. McGuinness adroitly moves the bread so he can't get it. Big pardon, sir. Hadn't you better use your right hand, sir? Huh? Sulkily drops Flo's hand, takes a piece of bread, puts his hand back to Flo's hand again. McGuinness stops in between, and as Billy reaches for Flo's hand, McGuinness drops a napkin, catches his hand in his, and gives it a crushing squeeze. Ouch! Pardon me, that's my hand you squeezed. <laughs> Tough luck, Billy. Heart to flow, holding out hand. May I offer mine? The others laugh. Congratulations! When are you going to announce it? Nonsense! Billy was not holding my hand. Holds her two hands above the table. Bread, miss? No. McGuinness exits. I wouldn't dare put my hand under the table now. Billy has reached over and taken Flo's hand again and is whispering to her. Flo is perfectly brazen in her encouragement of Billy. Telephone, Mr. Arkwright. Huh? Oh, telephone. Turns to Mrs. Lanham. If you'll excuse me. He rises, exits left. Flo looks at McGuinness, showing that she doesn't believe the telephone message. You wish something, miss? Nothing that you can give me. Mrs. Smythe, who has been talking to Hart. But why haven't you ever been married? Hart, in voice of tragic actor. It is a long and tragic story. Mrs. Smythe beats on the table. Listen, listen. Everybody hear the Hart's tragedy. Hear, 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 hear. Once I was young, poor, and in love. Something familiar about that start. Shh, please. Please, Shh, please. please. She was the prettiest girl in our town. And her father was the biggest banker. I knew I had heard it before. Shh, shh, shh. He intended his daughter for the son of the second largest banker. Then they would consolidate the banks and live happy ever after on other people's money. George Aid. Shush. Shush. I wish you wouldn't let your jealousy crop out. Go, go on, on, Mr. Hart. Go on, Mr. Hart. Go on, go on, on Mr. Hart, please. please. I went away to make my fortune. But I came back whenever I could borrow the price. One frightfully hot summer day, I came back to see her. My fiat was a hot day. On my way from the station, I stopped at the florist and sent her flowers with my card. 
when i got to the hotel i learned her father was dead and i was particularly glad i'd sent her the flowers they were putting papa away that afternoon i don't see the tragedy now comes the tragedy mcginnis with bottle stands lower centre left above him my flowers got there okay so did a hundred others the son of the second largest banker put my flowers on papa and took the card to her mother from jack hart he told her he's a nice boy she said i have always liked him read the card and to the assembled grief-stricken family he read the card i had sent with the flowers that now reposed on papa's chest i had written just a little something to help you through the heat general laughs mcginnis comes down pours wine refills glass and the girl the next week they consolidated the banks all laugh billy enters nobody wanted me on the phone sits in his place flo to mcginnis did anyone want mr arkwright on the phone yes miss a man wine mcginnis fills billy's glass and all through his dinner he is careful to keep it filled billy empties it rapidly and gradually shows some effect flo turns to hart you know what you said about your railroad interested me lots is dad in it with you yes that's why i'm down here what would you give for the right man to put it through mcginnis crosses back to table filling wine glasses almost any salary in reason suppose i found that man which one of your lovers do you want to get rid of nonsense there's some chance for the man not coming back fever natives the roughnecks he'll have to handle sometimes i'm afraid the man i have in mind can handle anything looks at mcginnis who hears her lines you flo her head coming up no <laughs> if he couldn't handle a little job like that i don't want him oh heart to mr lanham miss lanham and i were just speaking of a man for our project i'm afraid the man flo selected wouldn't have quite the manners for that job oh yes he has just manners nora enters with soup there was a captain in my division didn't know him but he would have been just the man for you on the ddc named mcginnis mcginnis starts up the right mcginnis why that's the real name of our butler all look at mcginnis mcginnis what was your rank in the army McGuinness coming down to right of Mr. Lanham. Buck Private, sir, but I know Captain McGuinness by sight. Same regiment. Flo sinks back, relieved. Others disappointed. Oh! 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 oh. 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 
oh i am so disappointed i hope that he was captain mcginnis wouldn't it have been dramatic yes wouldn't it miss lanham yes wouldn't it but things like that only happen on the stage she looks him right in the eye and they both smile challengingly tell us about captain mcginnis general certainly if miss lanham would like to hear it i'd be delighted speech 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 stand, stand up. up speech stand up general rising it happened in the argonne mcginnis came up there in the command of a company of doughboys he'd been cited for gallantry at san miel but under a cloud flo is sitting very tense in her chair watching mcginnis and he the general mcginnis stands behind mrs lanham where she is bound to see him under a cloud yes an affair of a woman anyway it all happened at some little village where he was in repose between san miguel and the argonne but whatever he did there he redeemed himself gloriously we had to make five stabs before we got through you know the huns held us four times in spite of all we could do the time of the fifth attack mr mcginnis's company was down to sixty men he was cut off quarter of a mile ahead of any other troops three times he crawled back himself and carried up supplies and ammunition one nest of machine guns enfiladed him and played the devil with the men they couldn't go forward and they couldn't go back finally mcginnis crawled over in the night with three men located the nest he was the only one that got that far and he jumped into it alone just at daybreak then his men swept on but it was too late for him he's over there they gave him the dsc but for his escape with the woman he probably would have had the congressional medal of honor that's the man for me where is he i'll give him ten thousand dollars a year to start after the start of the story mcginnis has begun quietly passing the soup has two soups on the tray i told you they got there too late for mcginnis you know i could love a man like that then i wouldn't engage him and to think that a fellow like that could throw himself away on that kind of a woman flo startled what half rises mcginnis gives one soup to mrs lanham and stands ready to serve billy mcginnis is standing behind billy with the soup as flo half rises he coughs and pours the soup down billy's back flo sits down abruptly as billy jumps up mcginnis dodson beg pardon sir bowing in the excitement the curtain falls sharply to end the scene curtain end of act two part one